Good morning, everybody. Morning. Thank you so much for being on time. As we get ready to go into the Lord's presence, um, let's bow our heads together, shall we? Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for the many promises you give us about forgiving our sins. That you, Psalm 103, will remove them as far from us as the east is from the west. Micah chapter 7, that you will bury them in the depth of the sea. 1 John 1, 9, that you'll forgive them and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we will just come to you like the tax collector did, who beat on his breast and wouldn't even look up to heaven, but just said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, it's that contrition of heart, isn't it? It's that brokenness of heart over our sinfulness that you love and that you honor. And confession of sin is the expression of that brokenheartedness. And so right now, friends, let's take a moment and ask God to search our hearts. This week, this day, maybe even some chronic thing we've been doing that's sinful and wrong. And then let's have the brokenness of heart to bring it to him this morning and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Lord Jesus, honor your promises to treat our sin the way you say you will when we bring it to you the way you tell us to. See us as a church family, Lord, that humbles ourselves, that knows what it is to be contrite of heart because it's to those people you give grace, the Bible says. It's those people you will not despise. The Bible says it's those people that you dwell with, the contrite and the broken of heart. Lord, help us be those people that we might dwell with you. Thank you, Lord, that you're the only person in the universe that when we come to you and tell you how rotten we are, we end up walking away feeling good because of your mercy. Now empower our worship this morning. For an hour, may we forget about everything else except the living, risen Christ. May we worship you with all of our heart, all of our strength. May the word of God move among us with power today, and may the Holy Spirit be so real here today that he brings chills to our spine. We commit our service to you, Lord. Be honored in our worship of you today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. amen. Come on in, folks. We're glad you're here. Uh, may I remind you as you're coming in that we have a prayer meeting before every service.
The one before this service starts at 10.15. Or you could stay after this service and start, come to the one that starts at um, 12 o'clock. But man, we would love to have you in there on your knees with us. You don't even have to get on your knees, but we'd love to have you in there praying with us. It's such a sweet time. Not only does it prepare your heart, but man, it is the boiler room for the power of God in this church. So, next week, prayer meeting. Yeah? Yeah? Alright, I'm expecting to see some of you in there. Let's stand and worship, shall we?
King is coming. Open up, open up you ancient gates. Open up, open up. The King is coming. Open up, open up you ancient gates. Open up, open up. The King is coming.
please go ahead and have a seat. Well, now is the time that we get to review uh, some of our memory verses, and we're going to go back and review our verse from the month of September. So we're all going to say it together, and then we're going to take it off the screen. So it's still on the screen, so get your memory back, and we're going to say it together. Here we go. Second Chronicles 16.9a. For the eyes of the Lord run to, to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Second Chronicles 16.9a. All right, now we're going to do it from memory. And, and just so you know that they, Cheryl is not putting the screen on here for me so that I can cheat. So I have to do it with you. And that time you were messing me up a little bit. Okay. Yeah, there you go. All right, here we go. Second Chronicles 16.9a. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Second Chronicles 16.9a. There we go. Hey, man, you did it. <laughs> All right. Hey, good morning. It's so great to have you here. Um, we, uh, as McLean Bible Church, are very excited about what God is allowing us to do around the world, and we thought that you'd like to see some of that. So check out the screen. Here you go. God has been able to use McLean Bible Church to invest in His work all over the world. Some of the highlights over the past couple of years include the work we've done at Destiny's Children's Home in Uganda. Our church has been part of building a dorm there for 200 or more orphans. There are 1,700 children in this orphanage and school. We've also added a multi-purpose center and bathrooms and showers for all the children and teachers living there. In 2009, another team from NBC visited Kenya and started a ministry called David's Hope. Today, David's Hope has a school, orphanage, and medical clinics as a result. In 2010, NBC began working in the Dominican Republic. Alongside our partners, we were able to build a children's center there that serves close to 150 children. There, they learn how to read, write, and do math. It also provides for their spiritual and physical needs through Bible classes and meal programs. In the next year, we're expanding our global footprint further. Did you know that there are over half a million people in the D.C. area that were originally born in El Salvador? They have come here because of very difficult living conditions for their families, growing up in neighborhoods controlled by gangs and riddled with poverty. NBC has, for the last several years, been working hard to reach Salvadorans locally. We currently work in public schools, community resource center, and along Salvadoran business people. As we have learned about the issues facing friends and family members still in El Salvador, we have felt a call to invest for eternity in El Salvador itself. This past summer, a small team visited El Salvador with Lon Solomon. They spent time with disabled kids, under-resourced pastors, and with gang members. Together with great partners like International Justice Mission and International Cooperating Ministries, we hope to really see Christ change an entire country over the next few years. Right now, we are in the process of building two buildings that will act as children's centers during the week and churches on the weekends. God is doing great and exciting things internationally through McLean Bible Church. What we do this month will not just affect our community, but lives all around the world. 
Right. Now, uh, I want to tell you about something else that we just did this week. Um, we uh, got together with our partner churches, you know, over 400 of them, and we decided to put to an ad, a full-page ad, in the Washington Post, in USA Today, and in the Hispanic newspapers, the Ethiopian newspapers, and the Korean newspapers here in Washington. And just in case you can't read it, it says, when man reaches for God, we call it religion. When God reaches for man, we call it Christmas. And so uh, the, uh, the, uh, down the side, it says, in the midst of all the darkness and pain in our world, God is reaching out to you. Don't miss the chance this Christmas to embrace his offer. Then we quote John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And finally at the bottom, it says plan to attend the Bible teaching church this Christmas and learn how you can have eternal life. And then there are about 12 or 14 of our key partner churches that are listed there and um, also a website where people can go to find an interactive map. So no matter where they live, they can find one of our 400 partner churches like out to Purcellville and wherever. You all right? You think that's a good idea? <coughs> Thank you. Well, um, what we want you to do is a couple of things. This is going to run Monday, Tuesday, <clears throat> Wednesday, or Thursday. We're not sure which. Uh, that's how we kept the price down. So keep an eye out in USA Today in the Post. And when you see it, we want you to take it to your friend at work or to your friends at school and show it to them and go, hey, see this? Read this. Would you like to go to one of these churches with me next Sunday uh, uh, and hear about how you can have eternal life? And if they can't come to McLean, send them to any of the churches. We, we, we just want them to hear the gospel. They don't have to come here to hear the gospel, right? Yeah, okay. And, and then, wait a minute, there's something else. I want you, when you get this, after you've shown it around, to rip it out, fold it up, put it in your purse, put it in your pocket, and look for somebody to give it to. We've just given you a tract to give away this week. You just unroll it on the metro or wherever you are, hand it to somebody and say, hey, I don't know if you saw this in the paper, but you need to see this. How'd you like to come to church? All right, we good? All right. Now, uh, this is just some of the things that we are doing and hoping to do uh, going into next year. Let me just tell you about a few of them. Uh, uh, number one, we want to um, do this kind of a media campaign here in Washington uh, with our partner churches uh, at Easter. We're going to do it again, Lord willing, 4th of July again. And uh, so that everybody in Washington eventually hears about Christ. We also want to open ministry centers in Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. where we can serve the poor with job training and with enhanced school programs, with free meals, and with gospel-centered ministry. We want to expand our, our gospel, uh, our, our partnership, pastor partnerships, to include training for under-resourced pastors locally and fund ministries locally where uh, the, they're doing the Lord's work and they know what needs to be done. They just don't have the resources to do it. So we're going to try to give them some resources. We want to work to raise up more godly men 
Praise the Lord. In the Word. And yeah, you bet. <clears throat> In the Word and prayer and obedience to the Lord and come alongside women, single parent moms, moms raising children with disabilities, teenage moms, and provide more support for them. We want to establish ministries within M McLean Bible Church to help marriages. Yeah? Yeah. All right. We want to expand our ministry to children and young adults with disabilities by, by teaching our partner churches how to start access ministry. Um, we can't take care of every child with a disability in Washington, but 400 churches can. And, and, and we're almost done. We want to get micro campuses going here across Washington for people who will never ever come into a church building. You say like what? I'll tell you more next year, but a micro site would be walk into a laundromat, there's 45 people in there, take out a computer, start playing our church service and say, come on everybody over here, we're going to have church right here in the laundromat. Yeah? Yeah. And finally, we want to invest in stopping violence against children and human trafficking, especially in El Salvador, but also here in Washington and around the world. These are just some of the things, friends, that honestly we're not planning to do. My wife always says to me, don't talk about what we're going to do. Do it. Frankly, we're already doing all these things. And um, we started them this year. And that brings me to our need here in December because if we're going to continue to do these things and more as aggressively as we believe the Lord wants us to, then we really need your help here in December. There's a letter inside of your bulletin. Uh, it was in there last week. So if you were here last week, you got it. Otherwise, I put it in one more time for you. And what it'll tell you is that our need in the month of December is 6.7 million dollars. Now that seems like a lot of money. That is a lot of money. But last year God gave us 5.6 million. So 6.7 is very doable. And the way we're asking you to do this is the way we asked last year. We're asking everybody to consider giving 200 extra dollars per person over and above their regular giving in December. 400 dollars per family. And, um, you know, times a lot of people, that turns into a lot of money. Um, and I hope you'll pray about that. If you don't feel you can do $200, okay, do what you can. Now, there are some of us here who can do more than that. There are some of us here who could give stock or checks or whatever for $100,000. Or some of us here who could do a quarter of a million dollars. Some of us here who could write a check for a half a million or a million dollars. And, um, you know, it only takes four of you for us to go from six to ten million. <laughs> now, y'all are laughing. And let me tell you why you're laughing. You're laughing because you're one of those people who cannot write a million-dollar check. <laughs> the people who can write the million-dollar check right now are squirming. Uh, they're not laughing. But there are those people here, folks, eight of you, writing a half a million dollar check gets us from six to ten million. I am trusting God for ten million dollars. That's what I'm trusting God for this month. And I want, <clears throat> I want you to trust God with me for ten million dollars. It can be done, but we've all got to reach deep. Whether it's two hundred dollars deep or a million dollars deep, every bit matters and God blesses it all. So. We're not going to talk about money anymore this month. I know we're going to have a lot of visitors next week.
We're going to have a lot of visitors for New Year's Eve. No more. We're done. But this is family talk we've got to have, friends, if we're going to keep making the impact in Washington that we need to make. So I want you to really pray about giving generously. And, and for those of us who can give little generously, praise God. We give generously. For those who can give a lot generously, praise God. God doesn't care about the amount. The widow with the two pennies taught us that. He cares about how much it costs us. So let's really pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And if he gives you a by faith number and you say, Lord, I don't know if I can do that. Remember, friends, God, we always say to God, God, show me where it's going to come from and I'll do it. And God always says, uh-uh, you step out in obedience and do it, and then I'll show you where it's going to come from. So don't you be afraid to step out in faith, my friends. You understand? That's what Brendan and I are going to do. That's what we want you to do. Fair enough? Okay. All right. And, um, man, I can't wait to stand up here and tell you I hope that God gave us $20 million. I don't know. Whatever. All right. Hey, uh, we're getting ready to uh, study the Word of God now, so let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we open the Word of God, I pray that you would use me simply as your mouthpiece, Lord, and that you would be our teacher. I pray, Heavenly Father, that the Holy Spirit would open and illuminate our hearts so we can understand the Word of God, and that he would soften our hearts so that it sinks in deeply Lord, encourage our spirits and bring hope to our lives through your word today. And Father, since I've got a little cold, I really pray for my throat that you would give it strength today, directly from your spirit. Help me, Lord, I pray, to preach the word. Help me with power and clarity today. And Lord, I also want to pray for our end-of-year need, that you would, uh, that, Lord, you would respond to that need and that you would meet it. Not because McLean Bible Church needs the money. We do. But that's not why I'm asking you. Lord, not because we'll use it for good things in the name of Jesus. We will. But that's not why I'm asking you. Lord, I am asking you to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. We don't even have room to store. So that you will get the glory. So that your name will get the credit. Lord, take our need. And use it as a platform to display the glory of God so that we can brag about you, Lord. So that we can boast about you, Lord, to our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. And we can say, do you believe what God did? Lord, show the world that you have unlimited resources. Show the world that you are the omnipotent, sovereign God of this universe. Show the world that there is no need too large for you to meet. Show the world that you can take care of the needs of your work here on earth when they're doing what you want them to do. God, answer me, as Elijah said. Answer me so that all the people in this town will know that you are God. That's why we want that money, Lord. So that we can turn the spotlight on Christ. So use this opportunity to bring glory to your name. And we are going to trust you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, welcome Loudon and Prince William and Bethesda and the Edge community and all of our friends around the world uh, on our internet campus. We are in an Advent series 
And uh, what we're doing is for the three weeks leading up to Christmas, we are actually taking a, a verse or a sentence out of one of the great Christmas carols, and we're using it as the subject of a message building up to Christmas. Now last week we looked at Joy to the World, the great Christmas carol, and we took the line that says, let every heart prepare him room. For those of us who weren't here, I urge you to get the CD or to listen online, download or podcast that message. But this week we're going to go use the wonderful hymn, O Come All Ye Faithful. So you know how it goes, yes Lord we greet thee, born this early morning, this happy morning, Jesus to thee be all glory given, word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. And that's the phrase we want to focus on. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. And that of course is drawn out of the Bible from John chapter 1 verse 14. Let's look at that together. It says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glory that belongs to the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And what we want to do today is to dissect this verse and make sure we really understand what it's saying and then we'll put it back together and we'll talk about what difference it makes for your life and my life. So, you ready? All right, here we go. If verse 14 begins by saying, and the Word. Now, who exactly is the Word? Well, to get the answer, all we have to do is look 13 verses earlier to verse 1 of this chapter. And chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the, the Word, right. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word of verse 14 is the same as the Word of verse 1, namely God the Son, the second person of the Godhead, who is God, always has been God, and always will be God. And the Bible has some other things to tell us about the Word. The Bible says, number one, John chapter 1 verse 3, that all things were made by Him, and no single thing that has been created was created without Him. Number two, the Bible tells us about the Word, Colossians chapter 1, that in Him all things hold together. Number three, John 1 verse 4, that in Him was life. I love what Jesus said in John 5, 21. He said, as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whomever He wishes. What an amazing statement. What that means is the reason that you and I are here this morning and are alive is not because we woke up this morning and our heart was beating. It's because we woke up this morning and the eternal Son of God decided in His mercy to give life to you and life to me today. Number four, the Word, Revelation 19, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon him is called the Word of God. 
and the armies of heaven followed him, and he had on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And finally, number five, <clears throat> about the word, the Bible tells us, Revelation 1.18, the word says, I am he who lives and was dead, and I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and hell. So, who is this word of John 1.14 that we're dealing with? <clears throat> well, friends, for he is the Son of God, forever and eternally divine, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe, the giver of all life, the leader of the armies of heaven, the owner of the keys of death and hell, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to whom every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? This is who he is, friends. Amen. Now, what did the Word do? Well, the verse goes on to tell us four things. And the Word, number one, became flesh. Philippians chapter 2 says that Jesus existed in the form of God, yet he came here to earth in the likeness of men. In other words, God the Son took on a human body. Now, when did this happen? Well, it happened on that very first Christmas day. And how did this happen? Well, it happened as a result of the virgin birth. Gabriel said to Mary, before Jesus was born, he said, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and the power of the Most High God shall overshadow you and the holy being that shall be born of you will be called the Son of God. So, God the Holy Spirit prepared a body for God the Son inside Mary's womb, a real human body, except that he didn't have a sin nature. And God the Son then entered and lived in that body, uh, fully God and fully man at the same time, until his death on the cross. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says, For in Jesus all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, the Word became flesh. Now, the second thing the Word did, <clears throat> the Bible says, is that He dwelt among us. In other words, this God-man, the Lord Jesus, uh, lived here on earth alongside all of us human beings, eating, drinking, sleeping, laughing, crying, right along with the rest of us. Number three, the Bible says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory that belongs to the one and only Son of the Father. Now, the we here refers to the disciples, John, James, Peter. And, and, and where did they see Jesus uh, 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 display His glory? Well, first of all, they saw it on the Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew 17, verse 1, And Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white 
as light. You say, what, what was going on up there? Well, friends, what went on up there is that God the Son took his flesh and peeled it back just a little bit so these disciples could see who was really under that flesh. They could see the glory of the Son of God. And then Jesus, of course, went back. That's what happened up there. But not only did the disciples see his glory displayed up on the top of that mountain, he all, they also saw his glory displayed in all of the miracles that he did. Remember when he turned water to wine? John chapter 2. And, and the Bible says this is the first miracle that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, thus revealing his what? His glory. And I, I love John 11 where Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. You know, he's been dead four days. And they didn't even want to open the tomb because they said, Lord, it's, he's going to stink. And Lord said to Martha, I love what he said to Martha. He said, Martha, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, girl, roll away that rock and watch what I do. And who came walking out the tomb, friends? Our friend Lazarus, that's exactly right. And on and on it went, day after day after day, healing the sick, healing the lame, healing the blind, healing the disabled, healing lepers, casting out demons, raising the dead. Jesus did. Mark chapter 3 says, A great multitude from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and Transjordan and from the neighborhoods of Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, Matthew repeats himself, when they heard what great things Jesus was doing, they came to him. Let me show you a map and show you just how far and wide Jesus' fame had spread. And remember that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, only record 31 days of the Lord's public ministry. He had a three-year public ministry, only one month is recorded in the Gospels. So friends, you take everything in the Gospels Jesus did and multiply them by 35. Is it any wonder then that John said, we beheld the kind of glory that only can be displayed by the one and only Son of God the Father? Finally, number four, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory that belongs to the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Friends, Jesus was full of truth. Jesus told you and me the real truth about everything. The real truth about life and about death and about heaven and about hell and about God and about where you and I stand in our relationship with God. And let me just say, if anybody ever tells you anything, I don't care who they are, that disagrees with what Jesus tells you in the Bible, my friend, it is a lie. Whatever they're telling you, it is a lie. Because Jesus was full of truth. And everything he said is truth. And anything that is contrary to what he said is a lie. And if you're, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, let me tell you one thing Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman 
gets to heaven, comes to the Father, except through me. That is the truth. Now, what that means is if you're trusting anything else to get there, you're following a lie. That's what that means. If you're trusting your good works, you're keeping the Ten Commandments, your bar mitzvah, your uh, baptism, uh, your confirmation. If you're trusting, you know, some other religious figure, some other religious system. What, I don't care what it is. Friends, it's all a lie because it's not what Jesus said. So I want to challenge you. Give up all that stuff. It's not going to take you to heaven. It's going to take you to hell. I'm telling you. Jesus told you the truth, and you need to believe him. And we're going to have some people down front here after our service, uh, like we always do. And if you need to come down and you need to reject all that other stuff you've been trusting and renounce it and embrace Jesus alone as the one who can take you to heaven, you come on down and see these people, and they'll tell you exactly how to do it. And they'll help you do it right here today if you want to. Not only was Jesus full of truth, my friends, Jesus was also full of grace. His life was full of grace when he showed compassion and forgiveness and kindness to everybody he met. And his death was full of grace. Dying on the cross to pay for your sin and my sin and redeem us back to God. So, can we summarize? Is that all right? All right, let's summarize. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing, who is the word of the Father? Well, he's none other than the second person of the Godhead, the eternal, immortal Lord Jesus Christ himself. And what did he do? Well, number one, he took on a sinless body. Number two, he dwelt among us. Number three, he showed us his glory as God's unique and only Son, and finally, number four, he told us the truth about ourselves. And then in his life and in his death, he extended to us the undeserved mercy and grace of God. That is what this verse is saying. We good? Word of the Father. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. When you sing that this Christmas or you hear it, on the radio being sung, you sit back and say, wow, now I really know what that stanza of that hymn means. Amen? All right. Now, that's as far as we want to go in our passage because we want to ask our most important question. So all of you guys at Loudoun and Bethesda and, and at uh, Prince William and downstairs in the Edge community, around the world, the Internet, and everybody here at Tyson's, are we ready? Are we ready? Okay, come on. Here we go. Nice and loud. One, two, three. Absolutely. You say, Lon, so what? You said you were going to tell me what difference this made to my personal life. And friends, I exactly, that's what I'm going to try to do. Remember what the verse said, <clears throat> John 1:14. It said, <clears throat> excuse me, and the word became flesh and dwelt where? Among us. Among us. Right. There's a beautiful wordplay here in the Greek New Testament that I want to make sure I tell you about. And that is that the word that we translate dwelt among us is really the Greek word skenao, which means to pitch 
a tent. And it's the Greek word that's used to refer to the Old Testament tabernacle, which was really just essentially a big tent. And the Old Testament tabernacle is where the Israelites would go to meet with God before the temple in Jerusalem was built hundreds of years later. It's where they would go to worship God. <clears throat> it's where they would go to pray to God. It's where they'd go to ask help from God. And where did God put the tabernacle? Like when the Israelites moved around, you know, their camp moved and then they set up camp. Where did he tell them to put the tabernacle? Well, look, Numbers chapter 2, verse 17, God said the tabernacle shall be set up in the what? In the middle of the camp. Look at the slide and you'll see a diagram of how the camp of Israel, God said to set it up. Now listen, friends, God could have put the tabernacle anywhere he wanted to, couldn't he? Could have put it outside the camp if he'd have wanted to. Um, <clears throat> separated, off to itself, away from the average Israelite. And, and thereby he would have been communicating to them, hey look, I'm willing to help you so long as I can keep a comfortable distance from you. I'm willing to help you, I just don't want to be close to you. But that isn't where God did put the tabernacle. He plopped that baby right smack dab in the middle of the camp, up close to all the murmurers, up close to all the complainers, up close to all of the rebels, up close to the weak and the sick, up close to the elderly and, 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 the, and the disabled, up close to people who needed his help each and every day. And you know, John chapter 1 verse 14 tells us that that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say to his father, okay, God, it, fine. I'll go and I'll die on the cross for him. I will. But I don't really want to really be around him. No. The Bible says that Jesus tabernacled. Jesus pitched his tent, the, the tent of his incarnate deity, right in the middle of all of us sinners. Because he wants to be close to us. Because he wants to be involved in our lives. Because he wants to enter into our heartaches and our problems and our pain right alongside of us. That's why the tabernacle was put in the middle of the camp. And that's why Jesus tabernacled among us. You know, a few years ago, Brendan and I, for the first time, uh, went to England. And I wanted to go to Buckingham Palace and I wanted to see, you know, I'd never been there. I wanted to see the changing of the guard and everything. So we went there. And it was pretty cool with about a million other people. And, uh, <clears throat> and afterwards I thought, wouldn't it be great to go inside and sit down with Queen Elizabeth and have um, tea, you know, and, and them little crumpet sheets or whatever those things are. And just sit there and chat, you know, I thought that, that would be wonderful to have a little conversation with her. Now, do you really think I could have gotten into Buckingham Palace? Are you serious? There's no way. The queen doesn't hang around with commoners like me. You don't see the queen of England out moving around the streets of London like Bert and Mary Poppins. This just doesn't happen. And you know, the strangest thing is that the English people don't think this is unusual. They don't see anything wrong with this. To them... This is the way it ought to be, because she's royalty, and as royalty, she's expected to be separate from common people. 
Now listen, that may be okay for a queen, but that is not okay for a savior. Friends, when I got problems and I got pain, I'm not interested in going to some savior's house and just watching the changing of the guard there. No, I need the savior with me, up close. I need a savior who'll pitch his tent right in there next to me and who will love me and help me and comfort me and care about me. And that's what you need when you need a savior. And this is exactly what Jesus does. This is why the Bible says, Matthew chapter 1, the virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not God separated from us, with us in heart, with us in soul, with us in empathy, with us in sympathy, with us in the hospital room, with us at the office, with us as we take chemotherapy, with us in our pain, with us in our sorrow, with us in our tears, with us in our needs, with us in our losses. This is why Peter says, 1 Peter 5, cast all your cares on him. All of them. Why? Because he cares about you. And friend, let me say in closing uh, that this is Christmas time. You know, um, Christmas is, ha we're all supposed to be happy and full of joy and expectation and celebration. Uh, but that's not the way it is for so many people. Listen, for a lot of people, we got problems this Christmas. Maybe we've lost a loved one. And this Christmas is going to be really, really hard for us. Or maybe we've got trouble in our marriage. Or maybe we've got a child away from the Lord. Or a child who's going through severe struggles. Or a child who's alienated from us. And they're not going to be, they're not even going to be here with us this Christmas. They're, they don't want to come. And it hurts. Or maybe we've got financial problems. Or maybe we're single parent moms <clears throat> that are just barely making it under the load. Listen, folks, there's a heavy heart in every row here today. And there's a heavy heart in the pulpit here today. I have a son whose marriage is really struggling. And I can't even begin to tell you the pain that Brenda and I have been through because they have little children. And, and we're helpless. To, I mean, we can't put a, you know, we can't make their marriage get better. And, and I want you to know I'm right in there with you. There's a picture, by the way, if you've never seen it, down all the way at the end of the main hall near the cafe, halfway up the steps. And it's a picture, as you can see on the screen, of this man who is utterly and totally spent, exhausted. He's got nothing left to give. And the Lord Jesus is behind him with his arms under the man's arms, holding him up. And I, I ask that that picture be put up on the wall there. Because I walk by it every day I'm here. That's the way to my office. I have to walk by this picture. And going up those steps, virtually every day, I stop for just a moment. And I say, you know, Lord Jesus, that's me. 
that's me. You say every single day that's you? you I mean, you, you can't be exhausted like that every single day. Well, I am, pretty much. Folks, with a church like this to run and the, and the pressures uh, that, that, that are involved in that, with trying to be a godly husband and a godly father and taking care of a, of a child with disabilities 24-7, and all the other things, yeah, you no, I'm sorry. I feel like that every single day, just like that picture. And I stand there every day and I look at that and I say, Lord Jesus, thank God I don't have Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> thank God I got Jesus, who's right there with me. His tent and my tent, right together. Listen, folks, Jesus said, Come to me. I'm not Queen Elizabeth. I'm your Savior. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened down. And I will take those burdens. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. I can carry your burden. You can't carry it. It'll kill you. But I can. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Folks, this Christmas season, that's what we need to do. We need to cast our burdens on the Lord, and He will sustain us, Psalm 55 says. Don't you try to carry Him yourself. Can't do it. But the Lord wants them, and He'll take them. And even if you've got to give it to Him 20 times a day, it's all right. He's right there with you, friends. He doesn't live in Buckingham Palace, praise God. His tent is right next to yours. Praise the Lord, huh? Amen. Let's pray together. And let's take a moment with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you're here today and you're burdened down, like I am, Let's do what the Bible says. Let's come to Christ and say, Lord Jesus, here they are. I can't handle them. Lord, they're on you now. So take them and carry them for me, Lord, please. Hold me up and carry me like that man in the picture. And give me peace. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for your invitation. Come to me and give me those burdens. We're so grateful for your invitation. Cast all your cares on me because I care for you. We're grateful for your invitation. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will hold you up like in that picture. Give us the wisdom, Lord Jesus, the presence of mind every time we start taking those burdens back to slap our own hand and go, are you kidding? 
Are you serious? You can't carry this. You leave it where it is on the cross. And thank you that you are such a wonderful Savior. That you didn't pitch your tent way outside town. Because you didn't want anything to do with us. But you pitched your tent among us. And we are so grateful. So, Lord, change the way our lives are going. Restore hope to us today. And teach us to live differently with our burdens because we were here and we sat under the Word of God. Give us a Christmas that has real hope because our burdens are not on us, they're on you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said... Stand and worship together. Sing this together. Then now the
Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, some of us came in here today with hope that was lost. And I want to thank you, Lord, that whenever we connect with you, hope that is, was once lost is always renewed. You are the God of all hope. And it's not a hope-so hope. It's a no-so hope. Because you are the risen Christ. And when you say you're going to do something, Lord, you're going to do something. When you say you're going to bear our burdens, you're going to bear them. When you say you're going to give us peace, you're going to do it. When you say you're going to sustain us, Lord, you mean it. And so, oh God, restore hope today to every person here. And Lord, let us never lose it again because now we know what to do with those things that rob us of our hope. We bring them to you. We give them to you. So thank you, Lord, as I said earlier, for not being Queen Elizabeth. But thank you for being Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said... Hey, just before you go, a couple of very quick things. If you're visiting with us, we'd appreciate it if you tear off the front of the bulletin and fill out that response card. Give it to our uh, friends at the welcome desk. Also, we have a newcomer reception directly across the lobby in the connect room. Don't go get your children first. We'll watch them for 10 minutes. Just come right on over. Down front, as I said earlier, we'll have people here to pray with you about anything you need, talk to you about your relationship to Christ. You come on down and see them if you need them. If you brought toys this week, uh, remember last week we said we're going to bring toys, put them in the bin. If you forgot them this week, then uh, bring them next week and we'll still use them. And finally, just let me remind you, Monday and Tuesday night, Kristen and Keith Getty are here uh, doing our Christmas concert. You will love this concert, I promise you. Kristen and Keith, you know, they wrote In Christ Alone, uh, The Power of the Cross, songs we sing all the time. And they are just, I, I promise you, if you come, you will not be sorry. But we don't want you to come by yourself. We want you to come and bring a friend that doesn't know the Lord. We're going to do a gospel presentation. It'll be short. It'll be sensitive. It'll be clear. And we will have a sinner's prayer for your friend to come to Christ. So be thinking who you can invite. The concert's free. So you can invite all the friends you want. And it's also free because we wanted to give it to you guys as a gift. Because you've just been such a wonderful church family this year. So we'll see you Monday and Tuesday night, Lord willing. Uh, I'm sorry my voice wasn't good. I did the best I can today. I wish I could have done better for you. But God bless you guys. And uh, see you.